Magic the Gathering is a difficult game, made even more so by the fact that you can talk to a longtime player and still walk away having no idea what they said. We're here to keep you up to date on Magic news and format changes just like your favorite FNM and boss would. Except you don't have to smile and nod when they talk about strictly better. I'm Kyle, a tournament grinder and general modern enthusiast. I'm Anthony, a tournament grinder, FNM and boss, and lover of standard in spite of how much it loves to hurt me. And, and we're, we're the, the Goblin, Goblin Trash Masters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the Goblin Trash Masters podcast. I'm Kyle, joined by my partner in crime, Anthony. Say hello. Raise hell, praise Dale. You got it. <laughs> all right. So we have a few segments uh, to talk about, and they all have uh, one theme. Uh, it's the Pioneer format. But first off, the Pro Tour is back, Anthony. And uh, I'm pretty stoked for it. So happy. Not only is the Pro Tour back, coverage is back so we actually get to watch it and see what happens which is oh i love it i'm so happy about it uh we we're playing in a tournament this weekend but friday and sunday uh i'll i'll be watching some coverage i'll be playing in an event with with anthony on saturday but i'm just super stoked i get to watch pro tour it's great what year Uh, is it i know (laughs) I i don't know about you all but like we used to treat the pro tour kind of like it was the Super Bowl. Like people would get together. Oh and, yeah, and watch it. Like it used to be a situation where if you were running an event, you kind of thought twice about putting it on PT weekend because all the mm-hmm. players that were playing in your event theoretically cared about watching the pro tour. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to get back to that. I really like. I really like that that striving and having something you know in front of you that you're looking forward to, not just playing, but even just kind just of watching it, making some cauliflower chicken wings and hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) so it was funny because super bowl sunday was last sunday as we're recording this and um, i'm more excited about watching the pro tour than i was watching nfl because who gives a shit about that (laughs) super bowl sunday is a terrifying prospect because even though i do not make pizzas professionally anymore pizzas usually have to call in all the favors they've accrued over the years on Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that usually involves me running around from restaurant to restaurant. Oh, and it's just a shit show on it's, Super Bowl Sunday. It's an actual nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, uh, the Pro Tour is back, and the format for this year's Pro Tour is Pioneer. And uh, like we've said in the past episode, uh, we're going to be focusing on more on Pioneer going forward because next season's uh, format will only be Pioneer. Mm-hmm. And what a better way to kick that off than just talk about the the Pro Tour uh, format and you know see what all the best players that qualified uh, are cooking up. And oh yeah, as far as the meta game goes, uh, it looks like a lot of the same because uh, we did get some percentages on like what the field is for this year's pro tour and i believe it's thanks to uh the unofficial mathematician for magic the gathering frank carson (laughs) god bless him god bless him he does the the percent sign (laughs) so i don't have to yep (laughs) but uh no surprise here with 15 15 15.1 percent of the the field is rakdos midrange Mm -mm, and surprise here very surprise here very surprise really okay (laughs) 
Rakdos midrange had been a cool 40 plus percent of the metagame before this. Like at at the RCs, like and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, Rakdos midrange was really represented at those. I'm surprised to see it's even though it's the largest single deck metagame share. And if you kind of if you add in the Rakdos sacrifice stuff that eh. is kind <laughs> of the same deck, you could separate it out. You could put it under one umbrella. I wouldn't hate it if you did either way. But Blackleaf Cliff decks are 20 percent of the metagame. So like something's up. Well, I mean, I wasn't really surprised. I'd say not surprising to it's like one of the top. Oh, but, no, um, I expected it yeah. to be the most played deck. My my guess was oh, at yeah. 40. So I was literally, <laughs> uh, it was what, too much by half or whatever those British people say. I don't know. It just, it confuses me every time somebody says some shit like that Apples anyway. And so pears and various other fruit. Who, yeah, who the fuck knows? <laughs> but yeah, your boy's uh, mono green coming in right below that. Which is also not surprising that those are the top two decks. <laughs> you would not believe it if you just... If your interaction with competitive magic came from Twitter, you would believe that that deck was washed. Yeah, but no one should ever listen to magic Twitter. <laughs> yeah, they're so consistently wrong. Uh, like all the time. Like it's almost impressive. <laughs> Broken clocks. <laughs> but um, the, the next one, Gruel Vehicles. I, I had a feeling that it would be very heavily represented. Uh, in the Pro Tour, because I feel like uh, it has a good Mono Green matchup and a good Rakdos matchup, so I'm really not surprised that Grill Vehicles is is very very represented. Nine point six percent, and you know, twenty one decks in the field. And for Rakdos, the deck count the deck counts are thirty three, and Mono Green is thirty. So quite a lot of people. But the I think the most surprising is number four in Lotus Field. I did really not. I really didn't think it would be this represented. I I thought we would see it, but I I didn't think it would be number four on like you know the most played decks in the form or at at the Pro Tour. I mean, we'll find out soon, but I mm. don't see a lot of people showing up to Lotus Field as we've seen it. Yes, I I feel like we haven't seen the full version of Lotus Field. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like what what we're used to, but it's it's like in. It's starting, it's beginning its villain arc. <laughs> yeah, I really believe that we're going to, like, I can't imagine that looking a bunch of smart people and good magic players put together in a room, look at Lotus Field and say, yep, that's the 75 as is, no changes, click submit. I, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Like, and like we've talked about as well, Pioneer isn't a... F- it, it, it's not a solved format yet. It, it still has a lot of testing and a lot of tournaments to go through for till we see like its final form where we see like it's it's the meta has shaped out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I am curious about the lists themselves. I don't, I, I'm curious and I'm looking forward to seeing that in coverage. Mm-hmm. What's going on there. But yeah, I don't think we're close. I think most of the decks we're going to see some changes with the exception being mono green because there's really not that deck not will much either you can change. Yeah, there's there's not there's there are no there's two flex slots in the damn deck. <laughs> like you yeah. or three or whatever. Like you're just like mm, deliberating. You're like I've got the deck. Am I going to play uh Tefiri Tefiri boat? Am I going to play three nickel bolus? Am I going to play boat boat boat? <laughs> like <laughs> It's just that never-ending, like, is it between Teferi, Bolas, and the boat, and however you're feeling that weekend, mm-hmm. it's that's the slot you go in. 
I think that there's there are a lot of decks, notably no copies of Hammer. I think that that deck might still be real, but there just wasn't enough time to kind of yeah figure out the Kimba Ka Regent or whatever the new printing of that is. Snap-on equipment kind of thing going on there with Hammer. I think it was too new and nobody really wanted to like risk it. You know, for mm-hmm. for a pro tour, maybe like play. We'll probably see it show up in like, you know, the RCQs like going forward. But I don't think anybody was r- really ready to you know sleeve this up for a pro tour with like real real heavy stakes on the line. No, but uh, there there's a lot of random decks to to be honest too. Like uh, a lot more than I was expecting to be honest. Like with uh, like there there's a ton of just. Like random things. I, I went I think I briefly saw the deck list, but like uh the meta share is just like nineteen point six of just other archetypes from like the normal meta we see in Pioneer. Mm-hmm. And you know, pe- people are gonna try stuff or just play old faithfuls that they've you know play a lot and it's not really like big meta share. So hey, kudos to them for just sleeving up the the randomness at a pro tour. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean of them are decks that, you know, like incarnation, decks that in mm-hmm. previous months, we could have called, you know, format, like, ex- you should expect that to show up. Mm-hmm. So I think it's entirely possible that some of those, I-, I don't think the gap between the big choices, the popular ones and the unpopular ones are that great. I mean, with the exception of the person playing like Blue White Lotus Field. Yeah. I'm just like, I- I- I'm-, I'm rooting for them. Yeah, I really same. am. <laughs> but like, I know that there's I think there was one person on Mono Blue Spirits and we've got uh, one person on Mono Blue Spirits splashing white. I hesitate to call it blue white spirits, but that one person mm-hmm. is, is Nikachu, our past guest. Yeah. He is wow. Like, Nikachu's yeah. playing playing the uh, the the spirity merfolk as they yeah, <laughs> as it, we would say. It is very it is very merfolk adjacent. So that does check out that passes awesome. the smell test. Hell yeah. Root, rooting for Nikachu playing the spooky boys. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love Nikachu love the spooky boys that's just an oh, easy yeah. that's an easy uh cheer them on while we're watching on my phone in whatever <laughs> yeah god we're, wherever we're playing we up in. yeah <laughs> i don't even know it's on the phone the phone tells me where to go and when i need to leave we know we we know when we need to leave we know what format is that's all that's all that matters and then we will find a restaurant afterwards <laughs> that's all yes. that matters those are the big ones I think that after this weekend, Pioneer is going to look pretty different. So I I would agree. Yeah, probably by the time you're listening to this, we're going to be in a new world of Pioneer. A new a, a new Pioneer of Pioneer. Oh my God! You know what? I just have separated <laughs> that format name from the meaning for so long. <laughs> from like its meaning as an English word. Hey, English is hard. <laughs> Have we seen any lists that have the Greasy Spider Boy in it? The Greasy Spider Boy? Your Greasy Spider Boy. My 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 knobby knees boy? Yeah. No. <laughs> you haven't seen it? All right, all right. No. It, you know, I it's still early, but it's still early. It's not looking good for 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 my big dumb head scrap gorger. <laughs> yeah. But... Oh scrap gorger. There we go. Yeah. Standard's looking 
let's just say that uh, standards look uh, wider than a Cary Lake rally right now. Damn. It's mono white <laughs> all the way. Just mono white all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of mono white happening in standards. Standards, uh, I've been testing for it for the RC. Mm-hmm. And it's been cool. Like, I love jamming mono white deck, the mono white control deck in the mirror. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. But Pioneer, we talked about this before. Moving mm-hmm. forward, our focus is going to be a little more on Pioneer for the time being because pt format and then swing straight into that rcq rc format of pioneer those are the ones that we're really caring about that is an important format for us so i know Mm -hmm. i'm sleeving up mono green without a doubt which is fair i mean and especially with you having so many reps with it too yeah yeah I, I also think that that deck is wildly undervalued. Mm-hmm. I think it is so commonly understood that, oh, you get what you get and you play the deck and it does its thing or it doesn't. And you win or lose based on that. Mm-hmm. And I think I've lost one mono green mirror ever. Mm-hmm. So either I'm just like really, really, really lucky. And my family's history of heart disease would like to disagree with that. Or I think that there might be more to this mono green deck than people think. It does its thing, but I found the deck to be incredibly skill testing. It's it's a hundred percent skill testing because the the deck itself is very powerful, and you can have you know stretches like Anthony has had where he's just straight up not losing. But that comes down to the fact that do you know how to play the deck? Have you practiced with it? Have you practiced correctly? Do you know? like the deck in the decks ins and outs, the pilot matters when, you know, somebody's sleeping up mono green devotion and you've seen it. You've, you've given this deck to a lot of really good players that we know, and they were fumbling through it and mm-hmm. didn't do as well because they just didn't know how to play it correctly. Yeah. Just like making land drops on the turn they're going off. And I'm just like, you did not play KCI. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I finally get to use some of my old KCI skills playing mono green. Honestly, I think it really helps with you piloting the deck. Like, <laughs> yeah. Have you played a bunch of KCI? Okay. This deck is going to click for you. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it I think it, I think it was a pretty foregone conclusion. It was an easy guess what I would be playing mm-hmm. if I were playing in this pioneer PT today or this weekend coming. Mm-hmm. If you were in it, what deck would you be playing right now? I mean, it's, it's pretty boring. It's easy for me. I'd be sleeving up Rakdos mid range. Cause yeah, the, the deck, deck is, is just great. super good. Su- super, super good. I've had a ton of success with it. Uh, the, the limited pioneer RCQs I've been at with it. Um, honestly, like even when I was first starting out with the deck and I needed more practice, like every RCQ I've played with it, uh, and that's been like four or five, I've either hit top eight or had a winning record. Like it, it really re- rewards playing really tight, but it's not so complex as mono green. Obviously it's a, a mid range deck, but yeah, yeah. you need to know how to pilot the skills you have for regular magic, the gathering games will apply to playing Rakdos mm-hmm. mid range. And I think the deck is really good. And one of the biggest positives I have, and I think why it was so overrepresented in regional championships relatively was because the deck is really good at taking out the trash, right? Yes. A hundred and fifty percent. It, some, it has yeah. such a good win rate against just random jank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like one of its, one of its best matchups is probably random, random jank people putting stuff into play. Mm-hmm. 
somebody shows up playing like Naya Tradebinder, you're just like, yes. Awesome. I'm going to remove everything and then swing with a bunch. <laughs> mono green against mono green. Sometimes they just like put like five power guys into play and you just look at it and you're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's bad for me. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really. That's a really good point that like you you probably I, I'd see you playing Rakdos midrange at something like this. And it, when money's on the line, you need to pick the best deck for the event and the one that mm -hmm. you specifically are going to have the best success with. And mm -hmm. I'd agree that Rakdos midrange is the choice for that. Yeah. And, you know, with uh, what the meta shaped out to be and, you know, how I thought how I felt like some of the top decks would be. If you're going to play Rakdos mid-range at a PT like this, just shape your sideboard to the decks you don't want to lose to and then be fine with the ones that you just don't have sideboard tech for. Like, make sure you're beating... You're, you're, you really have a tough time with Lotus Field but and, and Mono Green, but just put Damping Sphere in your sideboard and just hope you draw it and go from there because you have a very, very good matchup against the field. Yeah, so I think that is like a really great segue into our next segment, which is me asking you annoying questions about the red black mid range deck. I know we've already got one out of the way, but let's just do like, how about just like, uh, I don't know, a thousand more. Sounds amazing. Cause I love talking about this. Yeah. Deck. <laughs> it's a very cool deck. I've played a bit of it, but for the most part, I like have the deck have played some of it and have mostly just lent the deck out. It doesn't seem like an Anthony deck, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, like, okay, swap out Shieldred for Kalidus, Traitor of Get, and then it's immediately a very Anthony deck. Yeah, and uh, you know, as as you said in the past, the gentleman splash of a watery grave. Into yeah, the you gotta base. have the, the gentleman splash. <laughs> just imagine you just go like watery grave, and they're like, "What the fuck's going on?" And you're playing something stupid like Disdainful Stroke. <laughs> Oh no, I want to do this now. <laughs> oh no, a Anthony, don't. <laughs> we're treating you like a guest, Kyle. You're a guest now. So we're treating you I, like a guest. I'm a guest in my own home now. Yeah, Look you, at me. Would you like some, would you like a hot beverage? Can I interest you in any ketamine? I don't know. My entertaining is a little different <laughs> from other people's. Uh, what do you do? No, what fine. Water, water's good. Uh, <laughs> Take off your shoes, you goddamn ingrate. I don't know. My mother did not do a great job of <laughs> modeling how to treat people that you welcome into your home. So this is just how I handle it. Anyway, <laughs> what 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 does the what is the main goal of this deck? If you had to kind of distill it down to just as small as you can, how would you describe the goal of the Rakdos mid-range deck in Pioneer? The easiest way to describe it is uh, for all of the old heads that listen to this and, you know, us included, just think 2012 modern Jund. You grind out your opponents mm -hmm. and you have so many great on-curve versatile creatures in this deck that you can play the aggro game as well as the, you know, mid-range grindy creature removal, like, you know, two-for-one type thing. But the fact that your creatures are graveyard hate your creatures are card filtering. Your creatures are removal, a very important removal spell within the Pioneer format, which is Stomp and Bonecrusher Giant. That oh, card yeah. is an all-star in this format. It is so good. The fact that you, like, even when you're not using a removal, say you're playing against Control and you just stomp your opponent for two, untap, and play a 4-3 on curve. That's super impactful as well, but... You know, it, this is a mid-range deck. You're, you want to, like, grind your opponent out of resources and just play a bunch of very, very good on-rate creatures. 
but you want to play this deck kind of like an aggro deck. You know, yeah, you want to. I found, yeah. You want to play like your best games are like when you have two blood tithe harvesters in hand. Mm-hmm. You win most of those games because you ha- you're presenting two three twos on turn four, and then everything else in your deck, every top deck is just a house. Whether it's you know another bone crusher, a shieldred, a graveyard trespasser, a, a fable. Like I think the best part of this deck is that all of your cards do two things. Or more than two things. <laughs> and that's kind of the old adage, right? Mm-hmm. Vapor Snag sucks unless there's a Delver in play. Yep. Right? Just like unsummoning your opponent's creature doesn't do anything. But unsummoning your opponent's creature while you're clocking them is a time walk. It's really, really good. Yeah. So that's one of those situations, right? This is this is one of those situations where your threats are so inherently powerful that your removal, your interaction is way, way better when you are interacting and disrupting them with a clock. And mm-hmm. Blood Tithe Harvester, you know, I remember the being a two-mana 3-2 was something that was limited to green, and it mm-hmm. came with a drawback sometimes. Like, that's a that's a big deal. Not an upside. Not it puts you permanent positive. Also, it's a removal spell. Also, it doesn't cost double mana, so... It, it costs red mm-hmm. and black, so it's not incredibly difficult to cast. But yeah, I think that that deck, all of its cards are a lot better when your opponent has to worry about their life totals, right? Yes, a hundred percent. Like you pressure your opponent so much mm-hmm. with this deck. Like every every single one of your cards is a threat by itself. Like that's why this deck top decks so well. And you'll be hellbent most of the time or have like one to maybe two cards in hand but like, hell, you top deck a blood type harvester. That's great. It's a three two. It's a clock. You also have card filtering, you know, it's, with, with yeah. the blood tokens. It's a three two. It's it that is that hits pretty hard. The blood token either means that you're uh, you are also a removal spell, or it insulates you from another bad top deck later. Mm-hmm. You know, these are it all works different. great with Shieldred. It gains you life as well. Mm-hmm. So. If you're playing Rakdos midrange, your creature suite is, we've talked about the Harvester. What other cards mm. are in that creature suite? So like I mentioned, four Bonecrusher Giant. Oh, you yeah. just have to play have to play four. It is probably one of the best red creatures and removal spells in the format, hands down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen from every, any, everything from two Graveyard Trespassers to four. Uh, I've been on three before. I've been on four. I'm sticking with four right now. I just think it's a very, very versatile card. The ward is just really good, especially the if people ward are is trying so to good. interact with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm running one Croxa. I've run two before. I think one is fine. Uh, it's also a really good card in your deck. But most of the time I feel myself siding it out because it's kind of one of those weird in-between cards. And mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll, I run one... Tenacious Underdog. That's just a nice two drop on curve. Also, you can escape, um, not escape it, blitz it out of the graveyard for four. And when it leaves, you draw a card. Pretty good. Uh, and then I run three Misery Shadow. That card is just a freaking all star in the mono green matchup. And just in pretty much any matchup, anyway, it's not even the fact that it exiles creatures that leave the battlefield. It's the fact that you can just pay a colorless and give it plus one, plus one till end of turn and just start clocking your opponent. Like yeah. you're going in for chunks of damage with that card. And that's been a really, really good print uh, uh, printing for, for, for this deck. And then I know we had talked about the definitive removal spell kind of being stomp mm-hmm. in this format. So like 
shadow lines up well against stomp because you can just like you're you have threat of activation and you can just kind of threaten to give it plus one plus one and it doesn't die to stomp i think the times where shadows at its worst are when it is having to deal with potential fatal pushes because if you ever go in on a shadow they can blow you out for one mana so if they have one mana up you can never really go in on it which yeah it's it's tough i've been in situations like that and sometimes you gotta you gotta kind of read your opponent or like read the room and what your hand like is giving you and sometimes you go to combat attack like pump your misery shadow a few times see if they have it if they have fatal push kind of bait them into it we're like all right i'm gonna activate it three times hit you for yeah. five. If you have a fatal push, that's good. But then you just resolve like a, um, a fable of the mirror breaker and your opponent's just like, well, well, I'm probably going to die to this now. So, but fatal <laughs> push isn't really being played outside of this deck right now. You're just not it seeing is, a lot of it. It's literally just this deck. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being quite honest, it's probably your worst removal spell. Yeah, like you, you, you just you, need it so bad. You, you got, you got to have it. Cause like mono white humans is a deck that's running around. And uh, as much as I love Thalia, uh, she's a bitch in this matchup sometimes. Oh, yeah. So you need a fatal push for those dinky creatures. And you can turn Revolt on. You know, you have treasures from the tokens that Fable makes, as well as blood tokens that Harvester makes. So in a pinch, you can destroy a a four drop, but it's not like cracking a fetch in modern and boom, you're done. Yeah, it's not trivially easy to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you said Shieldred. Yeah, I'm I'm running two Shieldred. Shielded is super impactful in this deck. And the fact that it's a four or five with death touch, you have to remove it. You're not going to kill it in combat. Like it, it's, she got a big old butt and you know, it's great. <laughs> yeah. It's on that. It's on that old mantis rider clock. Like it comes into play. It does a thing before I untap with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, if I untap with it and make it to my combat with it, it feels like the game's pretty over. Mm-hmm. Like the card is really good. I also think there's a distinct possibility that Rakdos midrange drops into a lower gear and plays an aggressive one drop. And if there's an aggressive, if there's an aggressive one drop creature that this deck decides it wants to play, then all of a sudden Shieldred becomes very much better in this deck. Like Shieldred's place is secured. If this deck, if you could call this deck an aggro deck, then Shieldred just getting in there and closing out damage is really nice. Yeah, if there's a, a one drop that's like, let's say like a little better than Evolve Sleeper that gets printed into standard the next couple sets, there's a good chance that Rakdos midrange will just turn into Rakdos aggro. Because if mm-hmm. you can just go one, two, three, four, your opponent just has to keep like the most removal heavy hands to to survive that. Because yeah. Shielded being the top of your aggressive deck curve is it's like, you know, you, you're probably not going to win that. <laughs> yeah, and the removal suite, like we've talked about, is going to yeah. be Stomp, Fatal Push, shitty doomblade variant of your choosing right now a lot of folks are on power word kill yeah i'm i'm running power word kill a lot of people i've seen a ton of people running like two to three and i don't agree with that i think for for me i'm doing the four fatal push one power word kill one a braid and two dread bore mainly because a braid's great in the grease fang matchup and it's great in the creature deck matchup and power word kill is just like another shitty doomblade of your choosing like you said but there are a lot of very good demons and angels in this format that you can get blown out by and dragons there are, i don't think there are any good dragons i think there's I lied. There- there are legal dragons <laughs> in this format, but nobody plays them. You like Stormbreath Dragon out. is a thing, but nobody's going to play that. <laughs> no, I have gotten to eat a Stormbreath Dragon with a Mantis Rider before. What? 
Yeah, I, had, I attacked my Mantis Rider into an untapped Stormbreath Dragon and ate it in combat. What the hell? Oh my god. Yeah, um, because I used my trigger from Citadel Siege to put two plus one plus one counters on my Mantis Rider and attacked for five Vigilance. And they blocked with their Stormbreath Dragon, so I wild slashed their face in response. Then the damage couldn't be prevented. <gasps> Yo, that's awesome. Oh, sneaky. It was funny. It was like, that was, I'm pretty sure that was like an old PTQ top eight. Love it. But yeah, uh, with the, the removal suite, it's, it's pretty standard. I've gone down to two Dreadbore. You, you have to play Dreadbore because it's just, it's very, very good. Two mana, destroy a creature or a planeswalker. Easy. Mm-hmm. It's sorcery speed. Creator. Yeah. Great creator, Kiora, like big to fairy, you know, or opposing shieldreds, things like that. It's just a clean answer to a lot of, big threats in the format and going to i think the best card in this deck like hands down is is an enchantment fable of the mirror breaker this card holy shit yeah it's it's not a threat it's not card selection it's not a removal spell but it kind of is all three of those things yep like if you were splitting this up like and mentally i'm splitting it up i'm just like all right we've got our creature suite we've got our removal suite and then we've got fable the mirror breaker in a stack all by itself Mm -hmm. i feel like fable the mirror breaker is just (laughs) it's it's a saga that just explains what the deck does it's like you're gonna play a lot of really good creatures you have some card filtering, and now it's a win condition. <laughs> we talked about what's in the deck. What are the decks that you are hoping to see? If your opponent goes like, turn one basic forest, land of war elves, go. Are you happy? Are you unhappy? Which of those? I'm hoping their next land taps for red-green. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Because then I have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> If it's if they just go turn one uh like forest elf and I'm like, all right, I don't have fatal push. I hope it's not a troll, and then they untap plane of the forest and it's troll, I'm like, right, I gotta get real lucky. Mm-hmm. But if if it turns out to be like um, you know, the gruel mid-range, or just like let's say like a Jun sacrifice deck afterwards, or just you know, elves, like, okay, I can do that. Now with the good matchups, honestly, it's just all the creature decks. Like spirits, humans, angels. I have a very, very good matchup against those those decks. Now I will say with spirits in particular, mm-hmm. I lose most of those games if I don't have a, he- a heavy removal hand. Well, yeah, your deck plays a lot of removal, but I think the Spirits matchup is just infrastructurally good for you because at the end of the day, they have to play guys with less than two toughness most of the time, mm-hmm. and then they have to untap with those creatures and attack you and just have those creatures stick around in order for them to do their thing. Mm-hmm. And that's not the best plan against the red black mid-range deck oh oh no no like the 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 matchups i've lost against spirits have basically just been well i can't block them i lose because i haven't drawn any removal and like that was the first couple rcqs i was playing with uh this deck where she's like all right spirits like i have a decent hand and i'm like no if there's no fatal push or a braid or power word kill like at least one of those if i don't see one of those in my opening hand and i just have like a good curve i'm like i i have to ship this back because if it's azorius or bant like they can flood the board real quick and i have to like keep them from like not going to their game mm-hmm. plan but with mono blue mono blue spirits very you know instant speed 
type deck where you know you want to stick something put a curious obsession on it play a rattle change and then play a couple other things and and swing for a bunch i have a better matchup against mono blue spirits but azorius and especially the the coco spirits deck it's it's tough because if i don't remove like their first like couple it gets a little dicey because i just can't block Mm -hmm. i can't block the creatures in combat yeah i think the bant and blue white those decks can go a little bit bigger bigger yeah not bigger Mm -hmm. than you but they can go bigger yeah they can go bigger than the mono blue deck does and that kind of just they are playing three drops so like Mm -hmm. your fatal push (laughs) isn't destroy target creature and spell queller has three toughness which is very relevant (laughs) (laughs) yeah so all of your removal spells are not interchangeable against the bant deck Mm -hmm. so but I, I also think that Bant deck is um, not good. It'll get you sometimes, and most of the times it's Simic and can't play anything. Yeah. It, the co- the Coco version of Spirits is very, very hit or miss. Even sometimes Azorius, but not so much. But um, yeah, honestly, like th- those are my really good matchups. Like any creature deck is always going to be a good matchup. But uh, surprisingly... Is it Phoenix? It's kind of fallen out of favor, but that's a very, very good matchup for me, mainly because I have so much main deck graveyard hate yeah, that revolves around incidental. creatures. Like it's just incidental yeah. stuff. It's it's really, really good. And um I have a good matchup against control if Anthony isn't piloting the deck. Really? Yes. <laughs> Most Wait. of the time I play against control, I do really well. You're the only one that whoops my ass. <laughs> See, I've played a lot of control against a lot of red black players, and I've always felt like the blue white deck has an advantage there. Honestly, like you're you're one of the very few people who beat me when I play Rakdos against blue white. Oh, yeah. It might it might it might be the people I'm playing against, or maybe I get lucky. But I I feel like I have a really really good matchup against it because I feel it, and it also comes down to the builds of blue white. I feel like the Urian build is a little better against me because yeah. mm-hmm. there's just much so farther over the top of you far over the top and there's a m- much more interaction from turns one to three as well with with those b- builds i felt and just mm-hmm. but normal blue white or it's just like i'm not doing anything until like turn three turn four maybe i'm just like well here's a bunch of creatures you better have supreme verdict or you're dead Mm-hmm. And also, like I've I've freaked out a, a few control players. We're like, wait, you left in Fatal Push? I'm like, you run Shark Typhoon and Wandering Emperor. Oh, I don't sometimes, like that. Sometimes I just die to those things, and I'll leave like a couple Fatal Push in just cause. And oh, yeah. honestly, my sideboard has never been like, oh, I have to be control because I've had a decent matchup against it. Oh yeah, I'm not a huge fan of leaving in Fatal Push in those matchups. Like, I think you can leave in like two, but the I, I leave like in two. Yeah, the games you win are going to be games where you have where you spend your mana on like turns at least 2 through 4 you spend mm-hmm. all of your mana on those turns and if there's a fatal push in your hand that's like you took a mulligan fatal push doesn't become relevant until turn like until turn 4 if they're forced to wand- if they go to wandering emperor make a guy to block your blood type harvester mm-hmm. but for the most part i feel like fatal push being just a blank card for the first for the 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 turns of the game that matter to you i just when i've played i have taken taken them all out in those matchups and just gone all in on on just being an aggressive deck that is able to disrupt them with thought seize. i i i love not having 
removal spells that aren't called Dreadbore in the deck. Yeah, I mean Dreadbore is is super good in that matchup, uh, and it's honestly against control. It's one of the very very few matchups you keep Thoughtseize in. It, it's it's hilarious how like powerful Thoughtseize is as a as a card, but I boarded out like all four of them most of the time in a lot of matchups because yeah, those mid range matchups. It's it's the old adage like you take out your mm-hmm. discard spells in a mid range mirror because you don't want to be in a top deck situation. You top deck a Thoughtseize, your opponents turn to top deck, they top deck a card that does something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of Pioneer, yeah, even the aggro decks, of yeah. The, yeah, even the aggro decks tend to try and go a little bit bigger post board mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, we talked about some of those good matchups. We talked about some of those bad matchups. And you had mentioned Mono Green, Lotus Field. Are there any others? So uh, Gruel Boat is kind of like that. Like the, these two two decks, Gruel Boat and Grease Fang, I feel are I don't want to say fifty fifty matchups, but there there are some where like all right i can stabilize and i can get these games and there are some times where you're just like oh shit i'm just dead on turn four because mm-hmm. you know you know it's it's you can fight grease fang you can fight gruel bolt but especially the the gruel mid-range deck or gruel aggro whatever people are calling it uh now nowadays like it's it's just a bunch of dopey dumb cards that but it just curves out super super well where it's just yeah. like oh shit there's a bunch of big things and i'm gonna die and with grease fang there are sometimes the deck, like both Esper and Abzan, there are times where the deck like just turn three, turn fours you, and there are other times where it just does absolutely fucking nothing. So Grease Fang can be tough, but eh. <laughs> yeah, as far as decks that can answer a turn three Grease Fang go, I'd put Red Black towards the top of the list in this format. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's, a, it's the reason I still run uh, one of a braid, uh, is because sometimes you're, you're able to kill a Grease Fang or, you know, the... Um, the vehicle that they get and also there's a lot of a braid just is a two mana deal three damage to a creature is very relevant and there's also a lot of artifacts you just want to destroy mm-hmm. even even in main deck like the cat bus azika's chariot that card is so good that card is so so good yeah i i've i definitely have i bring it in an awful lot or bring it in i go get it game one an awful <laughs> karn lot goes and karn. fetches it yeah play it and i'm just like all right enjoy you got to fight through all this nonsense. You got to fight. You fight the army of kitties that I have. <laughs> Grease Fang. Grease Fang's a whole, a whole thing. That deck. It, yeah. <laughs> I just can't. Like, I think the deck is very good for like leagues and stuff. I just can't imagine being in a situation where I'm like playing an event that matters and choosing Grease Fang as my fighter. Right. It It's, it's one of the most consistent but also most inconsistent decks. Cause like I said, like there's some days you're just running hot with grease fang. Like your, your grizzly salvages and your stitcher suppliers are just milling everything. You're always have like, you know, grease fang turn three to five. And then other times you're just like, I'm going to grizzly salvage and nothing. I never drew grease fang. I never drew something to find it. And you just get stomped. Like mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's consistent when it's able to do its thing. Like it has a lot of pieces to, you know, have that you know be like oh i have turned three grease fangs some run eldritch evolution you know the grizzly salvage like i said it's, it's a hell of a card but sometimes you just whiff horribly and i would not run it if you're like say you go to a pro tour or an rc because it's just it really depends on you know if if the gods favor me that day <laughs> yeah and the last matchup at this point if you base your percentages on what we're seeing at the pro tour you're most you're gonna likely be playing the mirror a lot is the mirror <laughs> 
Yeah. What do you have for us in regards to the mirror? It's two things. It's the pilot, the player you're sitting across, how well do they know the deck mm-hmm. and card advantage. Okay. And that's the big reason the, the big reason I say card advantage is because a lot of players have started running main deck reckoner bank busters because you can just you know outvalue your opponent especially in the mirror you're just going to keep drawing cards and have a four four as well as a pilot left over and you just want to outvalue your opponent because if you're both in top deck mode you you can run the percentages in your mind you know what's left in the deck you know what like outs your opponent's looking for but if you have two cards in hand and you don't have any way of drawing more cards and your opponent has a bank buster or a few blood tokens or a, an active castle lock the way in, and they're just drawing all the cards they can and mm-hmm. they have like a full grip. There's a, like a good, good chance. You're not getting out of this alive. Like yeah. you, you, you need, you need your cards in the mirror, especially, you know, it's, it's a thoughtsies mirror type deck, you know, especially game one, the, you're going to be uh, trading resources and, you know, removing all the creatures, but you know, card advantage is important, but also the player's skill level is important. And at the pro tour, all of these pros have picked up Rakdos midrange. They know how to play the deck. Yeah. But I've I've won a lot of games I shouldn't have won because mm-hmm. my opponent didn't really know what to do, didn't know the situation, like was was just not prepared with this deck. There are just so many choices you have to make. Just having yes. blood tokens lying around give you a lot more agency than just relying on the top of your deck. Mm-hmm. Being able to get rid of cards to Fable of Mirror Breaker can increase your win percentage, but it can also decrease your win percentage if you discard the wrong things. Mm-hmm. There are just like a lot of micro decisions you need to make. Do you pump this shadow once, zero times, twice, six times? Mm-hmm. Depends. What do you have in hand? How much mana does your opponent have up? Are they playing a Fatal Push deck? Are they not playing a Fatal Push deck? Uh, what's their life total? Am I shortening it to a two-turn clock? Am I shortening it to a one-turn clock? Does pumping the fourth time not make any difference between the, in the clock? Yeah. Am I leaving myself enough mana to cast my next threat? If I tap out, do I cast my next threat? Is my opponent playing a force spike variant? Do I tap out for enough mana to play my next threat? plus the one for their Jawari disruption. Mm-hmm. That was like 30 seconds on just of a million questions rattled off on just literally one card in the deck. And every card in that deck just gives you so many options. You just have so many choices back to back to back to back. And that's what makes this deck so powerful is like all of your cards do all those multiple things and you have to have that dialogue in your head. Like you mm-hmm. said, like, do I pump the misery shadow? Do I discard these cards uh, with fable? Do do I copy this blood tithe harvester or this um, graveyard trespasser with my reflection of Kiki Jiki? Do I leave Shieldred back to block? Do I attack with Shieldred? Do I activate Castle Lockthwain in my end step? Do I activate it now? Do I hold on to these blood tokens because I want blood tithe harvester to be removal later? Like there's so many different decisions that you mm-hmm. have to make with this deck. So if you go to like an RCQ, an RC, or even a Pro Tour and you are unprepared, you're like, oh, it's a mid-range deck. I got this. Like, not not necessarily. You have to really know, like, not only how your deck functions and how oh. to play to your outs, Every but also, functions. How, yeah, that that's exactly my next point. You have to know the meta of the Pioneer format because mm-hmm. if you don't know what your opponent's doing, you're like all these questions Anthony and I were rattling off, and like these micro decisions we were talking about, they get much much harder. Mm-hmm. 
and even impossible in some cases. Like, yeah, I, you can't play around a card you don't you don't know exists, mm-hmm. right? We talked about that in regards to spell pierce. Like, you can't you can't do yep. it. So, yep. <laughs> but that's kind of true of mid range decks in every format. Like, those are the Correct. decks where you have to care what your opponent could have. So, what kind of cards are really important? Would you say in that Rakdos mid range mirror? Like I said, Bankbuster, uh, that's important, but it's also, um, it depends on the pilot, if you're playing in the side, main, or not at all. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love the card so much, but it's it's probably the most important card, and it's the only three drop where you have to, re- I have to really convince myself not to just slam it on turn three, it's Fable the Mirror Breaker. That card gives you so much value that yeah. if you're on turn three and you have it in hand, you have to have a very good reason not to just slam that card. So, what you're saying is that Fable of the Mirror Breaker is the Mirror Breaker. Look, it gets real good when you just have one of those, but it gets super nutty when you got both. Yeah. Then you're just going into like, you know, an antique store and just smashing all the mirrors. Like you're just going ham. Like, (laughs) but like, I think Fable of the Mirror Breaker is, is really good. Shieldred, I think is really, really important because they have to have a removal spell or it's just going to snowball. And honestly, Blood Tithe Harvester I like I think not only in the mirror but overall I think Blood Tithe Harvester is the best card in Rakdos mid-range. Yeah. It might I, be a hot take but it it's it's the reason I've won games like yeah. in every asset. <laughs> I think that card that card being played on curve is the highest indicator of your win percentage for that game. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing did I play Blood Tithe Harvester on two that matters as far as Mhm. Do I untap with Blood Tithe Harvester on three is the most important point in that game because I feel like you are plus 15 percentage points if you answered yes to that question. 100%. It's the it's the uh, the old Jund modern thing. Did you have Tarmogoyf on turn two? It's, yeah. Did, did, in Reckless Pioneer, it's the same. Did you have Blood Tithe, Tithe Harvester on turn two? If you did, you got a good chance. Yep. Oh, well, thank you. That seems really cool. Thank you for having me. It's been great being a guest. (laughs) All right. And the last thing we've got for you all this evening is going to be our guessing game. We're going to be doing Future Sight Pioneer. Mm -hmm. Do you like my uh, Saffron Olive voice? Yes, it was. It was quite good. It was quite good. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty simple. The rules of the game are going to be that Kyle and I have both picked a card. Specifically, we are thinking of a card that we believe is going to see more play in the Pioneer format going forward. We will start off with the card in our minds. We're going to give a few starter hints about what the card is, and then the other player can ask yes or no questions in order to get an idea of what the card is. Kyle, why don't you lead us off on this one? All right. It's going to be real simple. Okay. Wet egg. I'm blinking real <laughs> fucking loud right now. <laughs> the flavor text says it just sits there and does nothing. Oh, oh, damping sphere. Yep. I am a firm believer that that card not only will see a lot more play, it needs to see a lot more play because... Mm-hmm. Like we talked about in the beginning of the episode with like the meta share of the Pro Tour, number four is Lotus Field and number two is Mono Green. Y- you need to play it in your sideboard if you're going to be seeing these 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 decks a lot because especially if you're in the Rakdos mid range seat like myself or even in just like an um, 
like an aggro like creature deck or just another mid mid range type deck, mm-hmm. you you need something to combat their their crazy combo turns. You know, like mono white humans and spirits have had a pretty good matchup against mono green because they can just curve out real fast. But sometimes they stumble, and you're going to need some help. And if you're r- playing Rakdos mid mid range like me, you just straight up can't beat these decks without like disruption like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you got one for us? I do, I do. All right. My hint for this card is that, A, it's kind of cheating because I'm guaranteed to be correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it will it it will absolutely see more play going forward than it did before this weekend. And my second hint is that it is an upgrade for an answer to Old Growth Troll in Rakdos, or any deck that is capable of producing black mana. Was it printed in Phyrexial Will Be One? It was. Does it have the Corrupted mechanic? It does. Is it Anoint with Affliction? It is Anoint with Affliction. Oh, I agree. Because it kills Troll. It exiles it. And that's very, very impactful. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just... It's a really, really good Smother variant at worst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... If you are capable of putting uh, poison counters on your opponent, it becomes even better. But for the most part, I think if you just ignore that corrupted chunk of text on it, I think that there there's a good chance that that sees some amount of play. I would agree. And when that first got printed, my first reaction was, okay, it's at worst a a bad main deck card for creature removal. And at best it's the best sideboard card for the mono green matchup. All right. Well, that's what we've got for you all this evening. Thanks so much for joining us again. And if you could do us a huge favor, we'd love it. If you could subscribe to this podcast, comment on it, just like anything like, like it, (laughs) anything like that would be massively helpful. We Even really if you're appreciate- mad at us, just yell yeah. at us like anything. Yeah, leave a bad <laughs> comment. Yeah, call any me comment. A nerd. <laughs> call me cool. Call me mean names, but like make eye contact with me while you do it. Make That's it just sexy. really important for me, <laughs> like sexually. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much. Like we were talking about, like, comment, subscribe, leave a all review. That. Leave a review in more than one place if you if you don't mind. If you listen on Apple, go to tell the- everyone. Go to the poor section of town. Hop on Spotify and leave us a review there <laughs> with the rubes. Signing off from Lexington, I'm Kyle. I'm Anthony. And until next week, do us a favor. Stay trashy, my friend.